Tom Panos, John McGrath, Million Dollar Agent, Troy Malcolm is back after a week with a new... Uh, what's your actual position, uh, Troy? What's the official name here? I mean, John and I, we're hosts, we're uh, talking about... What is your position? It would have to be executive producer. Executive <laughs> producer. Basically, he presses go and then he presses stop at the end. There's yeah. a whole post-production <laughs> element to this. Okay, he yeah. talked about the post... Let's oh. get on with the podcast, can you? <laughs> let's, let's get... More importantly than Troy Malcolm, of course, mm. is Michael Clark is here. Michael's a good friend of ours and he's going to be speaking to Eric. Tom in 10 days. Surprise guest, Michael Clark, same name as the cricketer, but... Uh, John, this guy is special. We're pumped to have him, a $4 million agent. Can I confirm, is this close to $4 million you've done in gross commission income? North of 3.8, less than 4, somewhere within that vicinity. Have okay, numbers. outstanding. John? Mike, I mean, you and I, our friendship and our working relationship goes back a number of years because we were fortunate to have you work for us for, for many years before you opened on your own in Manly. Um, tell us, what did you do before real estate? Because a lot of people are out there, when they hear the superstar figures, mm. They kind of think James Tostevin, Matt Steinway, and whatever. But you, you've come from a totally different, well, not totally different, but a different mm. industry. And, mm. and I think your success ramp up has been fairly short. Mm-hmm. Um, so before real estate, I was in advertising. Yeah. So um, I had never considered real estate, actually, before um, my now wife threw me a book and suggested to me that I'd be better at that than I was in advertising. And um, so I read the book in um, three days and uh, tossed in the advertising caper and thought I'd give real estate a shot. Was that Tom's book? No, that was your have book. Have you done a book yet, Tom? <laughs> no, John. I, I you know which book that was. About yeah, that was time, yeah. Tom. Come and do a book. Johnny, you left it. Mate, you, you've written a few books, yeah. but actually I remember doing the video blog with you. I think the book you're talking to about was the John McGrath. Yes, it was You Don't Have to Be Born Brilliant. You Don't Have to yeah. Be Born Brilliant. Yep. That's the first one you wrote, well, wasn't it, John? The three of us have all proven that theory. You don't have to be born brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, so out of advertising, yep. so real estate, and, and you know, I remember back in the early days started with us. My memory is, or knowing, is that you've always been a great student. You've never been afraid to kind of like... Um, not just work in the industry, but work on yourself. Mm-hmm. So would that be fair to say that you put a lot of time and effort into learning the art of selling? Well, that was probably the biggest thing that I loved about the idea of getting into real estate because, um, I'll talk about this at Eric, but I sold, um, I studied at um, Charles Sturt University by day and uh, learned advertising that way, but to put myself through, I sold encyclopedias by night. And... Um, you know, so it was during that period of like time. Like door-to-door stuff, right? Oh, yeah, and this was long after the advent of the CD-ROM, so, like, I was going into, into people's places um, selling $4,500 set, sets of encyclopedias to people who were saying, but it's all on the internet, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that was when I, I realised that I'd need to learn as quickly as I could about um, selling. So I you know, started with all the Tom Hopkins but, but books the, and all the, that the, stuff. The door-to-door selling, that must have been a great platform because there's nothing harder mm. than banging on the door trying to sell something to someone that they probably don't want Maybe in many instances, mm. at least in our industry, well, when you're dealing with buyers and sellers, yeah. Mm. yeah, when you're dealing with buyers and sellers, though, they actually want to buy and they want to sell. Yes, yeah. So that was probably a pretty good start. For you, it right? was, yeah, it was a real blessing in disguise because I got, uh, I learnt to be able to close, I learnt to be able to build rapport quite quickly, and I, I learnt, I guess, critically, I learnt that I'd be able to, if I was able to leverage from what other people had done. Um, and I was able to implement what I'd learnt, then that would have an impact on my bottom line immediately. And I thought that was cool. So, um, yeah, that was one of the big things. And um, so I knew so I could sell stuff. Because most people out there listening to this aren't doing three and a half, four million, of course. They might be doing three to four hundred thousand. You're doing, call it, ten times more than the average bear, average listener to our podcast. What do you think that sets you apart? Because I've got a theory that you actually only have to be 
1% better to do 10x. Because if you're 1% better than every competitor, yep. you, you should be getting almost every piece of business. Yep. And then if you're competent and, and stay the course of, the, of selling, you should mm. be selling most of the stuff if you're listed properly. Mm. So what do you think are the points of difference that have allowed you to dominate your market so quickly? I think that you hit the nail on the head initially when it was about you know, being a student of the industry because when I found, um, you know, when I was at rock bottom, and uh, once again I'll talk about this at Eric, but um, it was Cherie who at that stage was my girlfriend who said, well, look, surely there's got to be people out there that are doing it better than you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can, you can learn better from others. So she and I isolated the 10 best people in the, in the, um, uh, in the uh, Sydney market at that time and we wanted to tour around and, and work out what they were doing and then, then be dumb Very enough smart. to implement it. Very smart. So we got a short list of those people and we went, okay, well, look, who, who do we want to catch up with? and um, did that and then so I'd catch up with them and then I'd come home and I'd workshop them with Cherie. Right. So it was a real partnership, husband, well, it was oh, now yeah. husband wife but back then when yeah. Cherie was your girlfriend. Ah, yes, that, isn't that great? Yeah, yeah, so I mean, and that was so the basically thing. she should be speaking at Arrogant. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, um, I'm often asked, you know. <laughs> well, she's <laughs> going to be at Arrogant, hopefully. Yes, but, the kids. yeah, yeah but be no, she'll be there but you know, she'd rather eat broken glass than talk so yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's up to me. Michael, one of the things that uh, we were talk we had a meeting before here with some real estate agent from Melbourne, and one of the points John made was the good ones master their craft to excellence. And I know that your name came up in that conversation, and you were someone that became a student of the dialogue and the scripts and the language. You, mm. well, Mike, I told them about they were just here before we yeah. left. Some great people, friends of Tom's and News Limited from Melbourne. They were just here, and I use you as an example because you used to come here every month and we used mm. to have morning sessions, 7.30 in the morning, yep. and you'd go through scripts and dialogues. You'd say, what do you do here and how do you deal with this? And until mm. I remember one day, which I think was kind of pivotal, when I said, I think you've got enough dialogue, now you've got to go to the heart. Yeah, totally. And you've just got to connect with people because you were an absolute master technician. Mm. I couldn't have thrown you any objection that you didn't have a really good, logical, sensible answer. Mm. But I think at that point, when I, I recognised that you were a master technician at mm. it, it was now going to how do you connect with people so they absolutely know you care and you know you're in it for them not for you yep. I think that kind of shifted your business to the totally next level. Agree. yeah it was it, it see the way I saw it when I first got into the industry I, I didn't have a bloody clue what I was talking about so I you know it was better for me to sound scripted and like I yeah. knew what I was talking about if a little scripted rather than sound like a monkey that had no idea yeah. Yeah. so I started from a perspective of what do what do I say and what can I say when somebody throws an objection at yeah. me? But then from there, what I ended up having was this arsenal of scripts and dialogues that weren't necessarily authentically me. Yeah. And so it was that pivotal conversation when I found out. Uh, I went away and I reflected on it and uh, once again um, workshopped things with Cherie and we were talking about the fact that I was no longer at a stage where I didn't know what to say. It was how do I respond knowing what to say in a way that's actually going to have an impact and going to be authentic. I think that's really critical because we do talk in this industry a lot about scripts and dialogues and some people feel uncomfortable with that. I think scripts and dialogues are great because they give you a base platform but you actually have to know your scripts and dialogues so well that you forget them and they actually totally become great. part of your normal conversation. Yep. Uh, otherwise, they, well, they will sound canned mm. and it's probably better than saying the wrong thing mm. but not as good as saying something in a manner that people feel, well, that's really authentic. Yeah. So, so that was good. And I think you're right, Tom, that, that Michael has been that, that absolute master. He's a black belt of real estate, yeah. a black belt of learning the, the technical side, and now he's been able to forget the technical side. Yep. So what are some of the other things that you're going to tell the people at ARIC? And I know that this is a very short version of it, but mm. what, are, what are some of the other 
areas that you're going to touch on that you think have really allowed you to go to three and four million dollars? And, and, and John, we're, we're talking about an absolute professional because when I called Michael this morning, he said to me, it's funny how you're talking to me now, I'm just rehearsing my ARIC presentation. We're not go. talking about a guy that is about to hop on Virgin, get out there, look at the timetable and say, okay, I'm on. We're talking about someone that's taking it seriously, wants to deliver... So you've just given away the fact that we invited Michael a few hours ago on this show. So you've just shown <laughs> the lack of professionalism that MDA has around giving our guests sufficient notice. Guys, this is the most Can we edit this out, Troy? This is, this is the most authentic podcast in the country. The Troy, longest authentic let's, podcast let's in the country. Out, Troy. But Mike, what are, so what are some of the things that, that you think, in your mind, that you know, you're sort of... So one was mastering the dialogue. Yep. What are some of the other things? It was, it was negotiation, just, listing? What? It was based on necessity. So the first thing was I had to learn what to say in front of people and how to, how to overcome it. Um, and then the next bit was um, because I didn't have a bloody brass razoo when I first got into the industry, I needed to make sure that any listing that I got, I converted into a sale because right. I, I couldn't afford to bugger it up. It's good how desperation sometimes, you know, or, or necessity. Yeah. The mother of necessity, word. isn't it? Yeah, necessity yeah. is a better word. Is, is many a great business person and salesperson has come out of the fact they had to put food on the table. Yeah, yeah. Which and is, uh, for me, it was a case of I didn't didn't just want to get the sale, but I then wanted to have, make sure that people would say good things about us afterwards because I went into an area where nobody knew me. So right. being from Orange originally, you know, when I first moved to Manly, I moved there because... Cherie was there, and I thought that sounded like a good idea. And Manly is, 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 and I say this in a, in a loving way, it's quite a parochial area. For someone that hasn't grown up there all their life, that would have been an easy excuse for you because you're actually competing with a lot of people that have grown up there all their life, mm. their families and generation. Mm. Manly is one of those areas, a bit like the Shire, where often generations stay there forever because that oh, kind yeah. of becomes you know, the, their world. And people didn't know me from Joe, so like the way that I saw it, I, I needed to, first I needed to know the area better than a local because... I couldn't say, hey, I'm the bloke that you've known for 25 years or whatever. They How didn't long have you me. been in Manly now? Uh, about uh, almost 10 years. Well, I moved there when I started in real estate, so, so almost uh, nine and a bit years. 10 years in real estate, writing $4 million in a suburb that you didn't come up and were brought up with contacts and friends and relatives and uh, lots of free listings coming from spheres of influence. That is an extraordinary story. You know, I, I, Michael, I want to ask you this question. If you, what's the best piece of advice Michael Clark would give Michael Clark day one in real estate? If you were starting 10 years ago with everything that you've learned? <laughs> I was asked this before and I'd say, you'll be right. <laughs> I'd say, you'll be right, mate. You hang in there. You know, um, other than that... Um, so if someone's starting out in your office, what would you say to them? Here's what you really need to nail. You need to be great at this. What would this be? Working in a single-minded way... Uh, on the same path, um, harder than anyone else you know. So, okay. So single-minded, what does that mean to you? There's a lot of white noise and there's a lot of stuff that you can do, busy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can work on the, the, the latest and greatest email for half a day when you could have done 60 contacts. There, you could um, decide that you're going to do the very best letterbox drop or you're going to reorganise your database. A whole bunch of stuff that is, you can convince yourself at the end of the day that you've been busy but you haven't actually physically spoken to that many people, so I'd be conscious of... of I said a few weeks ago, Mike, uh, I don't know if you've heard it, but I'm sure I said on this podcast, maybe it was on stage, where Brad Pillinger, who's a friend of, friend of ours, and, and his late father, Ron Pillinger, is still today arguably the best agent I've ever seen in Australia. Legend. Um, yeah, would have been doing your numbers and even more when there was no mobile phones and databases. It's just incredible. And Brad, I had a coffee with him the other day, and he said to me, my dad... 
said every day he went to the office, he had to work on the biggest and closest deal, and he'd just pick up the phone and he'd ring first thing in the morning. Which listings was he closest to? Mm. What were the big, biggest listings and closest? And then he'd go to the buyers. Which buyer is closest on the biggest listing? And he just had a very simple yeah. formula. And so this is what you're saying is mm. you've got to be obsessively single-minded about what are your hottest listings and what can you do to push them towards a, a yeah. listing, signed mm. authority, mm. who are your hottest buyers, what properties can you get them into, what offers can you extract from them. Mm. And then if you just do that every day mm. with passion and certainty... You, I mean, you're going to be doing sort of big numbers. I mean, Michael's just a testament to it. Mm. What's the hardest bit today? What, what do you find are some of the greatest challenges for you still, even at your level of, of um, success? Oh, just balance, you know. I mean, having said that, like, I'm loving life, you know. So um, it's, it's just a combination of making sure that you're consistently... Um, yeah, you're just focusing in the right direction all the time and, you so know... So balance is so much work... That you can do and you love doing. Yeah, yeah. You need to make sure that you balance that up with your beautiful family and Shuri. And but I'm fortunate because, um, in my circumstance, you know, uh, I've only really got two two passions. One is real estate, and the other one's my family. So I, you know, I'm lucky that I don't have passions in other areas that would take me off track. Yeah. So I'm kind of doing the thing each day that I bloody love, and then I go home and do I'm you, doing that. Do you work hard in terms of hours that you're in the business? Like, give me an idea. What time? Typical do you start? day. Yeah. It's a typical day. Well, typical day, it depends. I mean, obviously, we've got a little 10-month-old baby at the moment, so you know, I'm, I'm in, into the office later, but for you know, the you last 10 nine, months, 10 notwithstanding. No, 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 normally I'm there at half past eight, quarter to nine okay. in the morning, and then um, I'll get home depending on wherever the deals are being done. So it, it, it could be, you know, some days I'll be home at half past five or six o'clock, you know, yeah. and other days I'll be home half past eight, nine. just yeah. depends. It's, um, and do you have a structured day, or do you just kind of just get onto each deal you've got to do, or do you have kind of more of a structured approach? Yes, I've always been a believer in the ideal week when I first learnt uh, it, um, and so I've done the ideal week. But nowadays, it's got more to do with the fact that um, I remember, John, you'd say that when, when you were actively out there listing and selling, Monday would be buyers, Tuesday would be vendors, yep. Wednesday would be buyers, etc., etc. Yep. These days, it's more clumps of time. So I know yep. on a Monday that I'm going to be frantically busy doing buyer callbacks, you know, sales meeting, buyer callbacks and things like that. And I know on Tuesday I'm going to have more time to do market appraisals and listings and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Once but again, it's a structure. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have to be any prescribed structure, but it's got to be a structure to get to your level. And I'm also... Um, I'm also... Uh, it's a benefit of ma- managing... or Sorry, rather, benefit of marrying a, a project manager... Cherie was able to help me early on in my career being able to systematically focus on the most dollar productive activities. So now I find it natural and I feel um, I'm able to eliminate stuff without thinking that I know is non-dollar productive. Because we do know, John, that having that process of McDonald's is critical in real estate. You can be totally energised but disorganised because it's chaos and um, you're trying to... Energy can get you deals... But you're going to limit the amount of deals because you, unless you've got the organisation behind it, right? Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree because I was one of those people that wasn't naturally organised, you know, and married somebody that was naturally unbelievably organised. Yeah. And um, so I got to see how the Hummels operated, you know, and that, that they were able to do so much more in their day because they were physically organised. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so then for me it was a case of, okay, well, look, I'm selling two a month. So how do I get to four and how do I get to six but, and eight and ten Mike, and twelve? you know, you know James Trostevin and Tom, you know, you know James well. I mean... James is a machine and he doesn't waste a minute of his time mm. and he works hard but probably no harder than most agents that are listening to this and he's doing similar numbers to you. Uh, I think he's a four to five million dollar guy. Uh, I see this consistently is the, the top producers always have a plan mm. and they have a system mm. and they have obs- what I'd call obsessive focus 
on it because you're right unless you have obsessive focus even focus is not enough mm. there are distractions there's emails in your email box mm. there's messages on your message pad there's drop-in visitors there's newspapers to read there's mm. people that want to have a coffee with you every day you know unless you are obsessively focused about getting to the main priorities mm. you are going to be distracted mm. and so also i guess that coming back to that question what I, you know what what do i need to do um at the moment, and that that's something where I have to focus on understanding that I can't possibly do it all, mm. and being very comfortable knowing that the stuff that is not important or urgent that I'm not doing. Mm. Mm. Well, we're uh, Michael, we're, we're pumped. I'm pumped as MC, and John's pumped as uh, one of the people hosting. Eric, to have you speak there. Um, it's day awesome. one. Day one. Have you, out of curiosity, you've been to an Arik before? I'm sure you have. Many. Every one of them. Yeah. Every one of them. Okay. Well, there's <laughs> as a... has James Toss. Well, every one of them since I've been, uh, yeah, yeah. before Last I joined the years. industry. The first first Arik that I ever went to, I was still in advertising. Yeah. Um, I had the interview right. with, with John. Okay. Well, um, I think you started off this podcast by saying one of your strategies in the early stages were to get a list of people mm. that were doing really well mm. and go learn what they're doing. Mm. And I think that's what Eric's about. It's actually packaging out all that in two days. Yeah, the so- people that are coming to Eric, I agree. That networking is such an underutilised part. A lot of people go there with a buddy from their office and they kind of hang out with them the whole two days. Mm. I mean, there are great people, some of whom are going to be on stage and then you'll be able to see them in the, in the ex- exhibit area after. Some who are not on stage, like James and Ricky Rushton's of the world, and there are great people out there. So you've got to see it as a great networking and have fun as well. I mean, there's a networking function at the end of day one and so forth. John, you know what I'd love to do next week? Can I have the top five strategies that John McGrath would use to get the best out of a conference? Yeah, we'll talk about that. Because it's the week before um, ARIC, and I think that... You can actually make your Eric be the best ever, mm-hmm. or you can actually go in there and say it was a good social experience. How can you get the best in networking, yep. in learning, in building relationships, in getting inspired? I'd love to do that. And, and if you're listening to this, and this is not in, meant to be an ad for Eric, I mean, you know, we're, we're delighted to have Mike and he's speaking to Eric, but if you're listening to this podcast and you're not booked to Eric, just do it. Mm-hmm. Ring up, go to the online, I don't even know how you do it, but there'll be a website somewhere and, or there'll be a phone number. Ring up and do it. It will change your life. And so many people that are now doing huge numbers accredit the fact that they went to Eric five, seven, ten years ago and they heard Michael Clark speak, they heard James Tostevin, they heard Michael Pallia, uh, or they heard one of the other because there are a lot of international speakers as well. So, you know, you just got to get there. It is a life-changing event. And then you'll meet Troy. So Troy will be there. Uh, Mike will be there. Tom will be there. Even young Max. Max has joined. If, you, if, you, if we had a video here, you'd see it's like Pitt Street here. <laughs> This podcast is growing in popularity. There's five of us here in the office clustered around. And we still have not got any revenue coming into this. <laughs> this, this is, there is no revenue coming in. We've I got, got a coffee. And we got coffee. Yeah, this well. thing is loaded with overheads. This is a classic business. Well, we gave Michael a coffee, so we actually made a loss this week. <laughs> <laughs> we made a $3.50 loss on this podcast. But it doesn't matter. We're in it for the love of it. But, uh, Mike, I can't wait. I mean, as I said, Mike's a great friend, and uh, I had the great pleasure working with you for many years, and, uh, and beautiful Cherie, your wife. Uh, another in the club, our club, we're punching well above his weight there. <laughs> she looks like a supermodel she's and she's Thank gorgeous. You. So uh, uh, come along and, and uh, listen to Mike at Eric and um, we wish you and your family well. And Tommy, so next week we'll do a bit of a focus on next how do you get the most out of How to get the most out of a learning um, environment at Eric and we're going to give people a lot of information on uh, the, what's happening. We'll just remind people yeah, where yeah, the yeah. networking thing is. I'll and and if you can't afford it, email me or email Tom. 
okay. and just say, I'd love to get there, money's a bit tight, we will find a way to help you get there. A couple of people have done that to me, and I've said, okay, pay 100 bucks a month for the next 12 months or whatever it is, because don't not get there because of the finances are tight. Because if the finances are tight, let's be honest, you need to be there. Okay, so just to recap, gang, if there's anyone that wants to uh, potentially go to ARIC but needs a payment plan or five payments or what have you, um, contact uh, uh, info at tompanos.com.au and we will get the girls at Tret to make it easy for you to be there. Johnny, good to see Thanks, you again. Tom. Michael, Look it's forward. special. We don't get a lot of guests coming in, but I think that no you are an ideal person. Third to guest? You. Third guest in the history. Michael Pallia, Graham Mirabito. Oh, really? Absolutely. I mean, rarefied air. Third guest, you are. No, we Hooray. Have, uh, there was the, uh, your Glebe... Uh, um, Oh, Michael Glynn. Michael Glynn. Michael Glynn. Michael Pallia. Michael Pallia. Michael Clark. Michael. There is something. Well, there's three Michaels. Yeah. Matt Lovewood. Matt Lovewood was. If your name's Michael and you're listening to this (laughs) and you're any good at real estate, (laughs) (laughs) Tom at Tom. You're going to start. (laughs) Gang, see you next week. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.